listening to Ouija Broads. This is Liz. This is Devin. Devin, we are jumping right into it today. And I told you that it was going to be a lighthearted one. Mm-hmm. And I told you I was thinking about doing this one. So I hope you are in the right mood to do a loving and cheerful tribute to White Elephant. Oh, oh, I have so many good memories of White Elephant. I thought you oh. might. I thought you might. So in Spokane, for the better part of 74 years, existed a set of stores that were known as White Elephant. I think they were technically called The White Elephant, but I've never heard anybody call them that. Totally. You would just say, where are you going to get a present for Taylor's birthday? White Elephant. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> and there's one on Division, actually quite close to where I live now. Mm-hmm. And there was one on Sprague. The Division one was the best one, everyone. It was. It was the best. How would you describe White Elephant to somebody who has not been there? It is your father's fishiest dream and your your child's most Willy Wonka toy-fueled fantasy in under one roof. I think that's a really good summary. It was... Not really like any place else I've been. It's not really a thrift shop. No. Uh, It's not really like most discount shops. No. It had a very different energy. And it's because the Division one, I actually can't remember if I ever went to the Sprague one. I just went with you. I'm like, no, Division was the best, obviously. The one I liked is the best one. Yes. Was basically most of a block and was half and half. How to describe Sporting goods. Guns. Yeah, sporting (laughs) goods. Guns, ammo, camping gear. A ton of fishing stuff. So much fishing stuff. And a little Expo 74 merchandise, which we will talk about separately. Yeah. And then the other half of the store was toys for children. Oh, don't forget the back half of the toy store, which was very inexpensive, specific model train stuff. Hell yeah. Yeah, I think I actually bought some paint there for my miniatures one time. Yeah. It, there was, it was definitely an esoteric place. It yeah. was, they, it was a really good place to buy board games, actually. Oh, and they so had good. a lot of board games, like not just your classic. Well, Target has a pretty good selection now. I have to give them yeah. that. But until, you know, three or five years ago into this board game renaissance, if you went to a big box store, if you went to any kind of store and they had games, it would be what, like Monopoly, mm-hmm. maybe Risk, Parcheesi, the classic ones. But White Elephant had just a huge wall of stuff. Some people have never heard of. Some yeah. people like, this is a promotional tie-in for a television show that's been out there for 20 years. <laughs> yeah. How oh, did this get here? When Liz says wall, the one on Division, I mean, those walls were 15 feet tall in the kids' toy yeah. section. The, the sporting goods section was bizarrely tiny, like... Maybe mm-hmm. six and a half, seven foot high ceilings, but the toy side yes. was ex- double double height, height and a half. Yeah, and they were not level with each other. No. <laughs> so the reason why this happened is because it used to be a much smaller store, and mm-hmm. as it expanded, it took over the businesses next to it, which had higher ceilings and had different levels of floor. So yeah, if you wanted to go into the toy part, you'd literally step down about. I don't know, a step and a half that was sort of ramped out. It was a ramp, Marked yeah. with a lot of yellow and black signs yes. to be like, please don't die. Yes. Please don't die. But then because of an interesting angle to the floor, if you then went in through a different connectivity point <laughs> to the sporting mm-hmm. goods store, it would be like four steps. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure where the angle came in, whether it was in the toy section or the guns and ammo section, or just kind of a rip in the fabric of how space works that happened there. It was Oregon Vortex, but in our own Spokane. 
Very much so. It has been around for a long, long time. I liked it as a kid because it was one of the few places in town that sold Playmobil. Yes. Which was like my, I don't know, toy of choice at that age. Still is. Lid loves it. She specifically loves playing Playmobil with her grandfather. That's like oh. their thing. Is they've got that giant ass bucket of Playmobil from when Madeline and I were kids. And they get it out and they play elaborate stories. It's great. They would have Lego. They have... Basically, that's where we would go whenever we needed a present for a kid in lid school, right? Yeah. And it's the same thing when we needed a present when I was a kid. The prices were pretty good. The selection was unusual, but not in a bad way. Yeah. There's definitely some stuff where you're like, okay, this has just not turned over. But unlike some places like that that I've been to... There was never the thing where you're like, oh, you have this here because you're hoping somebody's dumb enough to buy it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, there was never that kind of mean-spiritedness. Yeah. It was just like, I don't know. If you want this, you can have it. It's $9.79. We wrote it on the plastic wrap with a Sharpie. Yes. <laughs> no price tags. None. <laughs> no, you had that. And honestly, I wonder if that's not why they went out of business, because I heard tell of people going in, smudging off the Sharpie, and then writing their own prices on things with <laughs> Sharpie. And you could get away with it, apparently. I could I could see the premise that you did. But no, there, there's more story to that. But we will get there. Oh my gosh, I have so many. I Just like all these memories are hitting me hard. Hitting Ooh, me hard. Okay, see, I was excited to do this one. I'm like, we're going to have a lot of fun with this one. I have very specific memories of this. Every time I pass it, because now that it's going out of business, as you mentioned, it makes me sad because I'm like, oh, this is just really an end of an era. Like, Yeah, it I- is. I don't know. It's not one of those. It was never one of those places where I'm like, I don't understand how you're open. Like it was always busy. Oh, there was yeah. always stuff happening there. This has always been a family business. It's the Conley family, and John R. Conley Sr. opened the first white elephant surplus store in 1946 in Spokane on East Sprague Avenue. So actually, this is interesting that it was Sprague and Division because way way back, the intersection of those two is the cursed intersection. It is. Ooh. Energy. What's happening? I what don't know. What is happening? I mean, you can picture 1946, mm-hmm. right? We've just wrapped up a great big war. Yeah. A whole great big war. He served big two one. years in the Navy. Mm-hmm. And as we know, after World War II had wrapped up, we had a lot of army surplus stuff. So John Conley's uncle, because this is how much of a family affair this has always been, sent him to the Tri-Cities to buy army surplus toilet paper. In 1946, he had, from being discharged from the Navy, $300. And while he was there in the Tri-Cities, he bought these truck coverings, which were called woodies. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> they were made with canvas and wood. So I think basically like a raven or like, what do they call those that you put on pickup trucks, right? So that you can enclose yeah. it a little bit a, more. A, a canopy. Yeah, he bought them for $6 each, brought them back to Spokane, and sold them for $100 each. Oh, bad boy. Good for you. Well done. So that was the very first white elephant that John passed along to Spokane. His business philosophy stayed the same ever since, which was, I'm going to buy cheap stuff, I'm going to buy closeout stuff, I'm going to buy discontinued stuff, basically stuff that doesn't have a home in other stores anymore. And initially, in the early years of White Elephant, it was mostly war stuff, right? Blankets, helmets, trucks. 
Now, John was an outdoors boy, as so many in Spokane are, and he loved fishing, he loved hunting, he loved camping, and so that's why when he expanded the offerings, that's the direction he went in. Sure. Now, does your dad shop there, or did he? Oh, absolutely. That's, I mean, how my brother and I were introduced to White Elephant was we probably Mm -hmm. went there weekly or every other week with my dad growing up. There was always something to go i mean go poke around see what pokes back like there's new and weird things there all the time but because dad is a shootist and a fisherman and a hunter and just Mm -hmm. enjoys being outside it was a a mark you know it was his toy store yeah absolutely and this is before spokane has an rei or a cabela's or Mm -hmm. you know even a sports surplus you know like it that was where you would go if you wanted a tent in Spokane in the 80s and 90s. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we got tents there. I don't know. I would always get this weird impulse when I was up at the cash register paying for stuff where like, I'm not a gun person, but they were so pretty. Oh, like there was just some kind of instinct where I'm just like, I just want to touch it. It's shiny. Oh, yeah. And people like when you were going into White Elephant, I mean, there was stuff hanging from the ceilings. And like I said, Mm -hmm. the the ceilings are already short in the sporting goods section. And there was this wall that had the glass counters with the people behind them. And they had these weird Mm -hmm. like cabinets where I think they stored ammo that would be facing the cash register folks. But it was just a wall basically facing Mm -hmm. the customers. So there was a very narrow area in which you could talk to the folks. So you were already stooping over this counter to see Mm -hmm. people. And underneath the glass counter is guns. That was, you know, eye level as a kid, eye level as an adult, because you kind of had to stoop down in. Yeah, that or like knives, like really fancy pocket knives. yes. Displayed yes. beautifully on red velvet. I'm not, you could put any garbage in front of like oh. red velvet and uplight it, and I'm like, oh. I need that. <laughs> I have to have it. My monkey It'll brain look- says treasure. Yep, looks like it's a really good tasting fruit. It is. <laughs> uh, so the very first white elephant building already had this brand, and it would have elephants, and it would paint the windows with elephants and war surplus. John Conley had friends who were billboard painters and sign painters and stuff like that. And they said, let's lean into this concept and really play up kind of the fun, circus, colorful, pastel, family-friendly thing. Mm -hmm. So by my day in the North Division store, because it basically was, if you picture like a very classic 50s or 60s storefront one story storefront that goes all the way across a block because it used yeah. to be more of them. Every window would have a different elephant and yeah. all around the building where you would park and stuff had different elephants and they would yeah. say stuff, you know, like fishing tackle, model mm-hmm. trains, mm-hmm. camping tents, mm-hmm. <laughs> scuba diving. Yes. Stuff like that. And they would have, you know, one, one trunk would be linked to the tail and they would go all the way around the building. Mm-hmm. And it was like a circus theme. Mm hmm. Oh, oh, yeah, some of them had flags, remember? Some of them were carrying so, little flags in their trunks, yes. Yeah, little American flags or little Canadian flags for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. This, I, re- I remember driving into it and, and, like, being little, you know, and you get you get very, like, err about certain phrases or words, and my dad would call it the pale pachyderm. And oh, no. I hated it. Dad Hated it. Dad, stop it. Like, that's how I learned the word pachyderm, because my dad, instead of white elephant, said pale pachyderm. And oh my god, that's such a bad joke. Couldn't handle it. Couldn't handle it. And now, treasured memory. Love it. Pale packet. Sure. 
Sure. But at the time, you're like, you're being wrong on purpose, and that's a very dangerous idea. Oh, it's so dangerous as a child. Don't care for you that can't one bit. No, get out. Well, that brings up that this might be a good time to talk about white, what a white elephant actually is. Okay. Do you have a sense of that that you want to pitch me, or should I just jump in? I know the term white elephant from, some people call it like Nasty Santa or Mean Christmas or whatever, mm-hmm. but like the white elephant gift exchange, and so it was an item... We always did white elephant gift exchanges as like, oh, something kind of fun, gaggy, novelty. But I Mm -hmm. always thought the term meant something you couldn't offload. That was a white elephant. Like, it was difficult to sell. Nobody wanted it. But I don't know if I'm right. Yeah, so like a house that is costing you more to keep up than it's worth or something, right? That is basically the common Western usage. And okay. It, literally, unlike most idioms where you're like, oh, no, this not, it's not about fish at all. It's about a small wooden part of a boat that was shaped like a fish. And you're like, well, that's stupid and I don't accept it. This really was about white elephants. Oh. So specifically, in Southeast Asia, back in the day, it still is in Thailand and Burma, it's regarded as a really good sign. So mm-hmm. if you are a king and you have a kingdom or you are a leader and you have a country and you want to demonstrate that you're favored, right, that you're doing your job well, you would get a white elephant or you would have a white elephant. And now they are called white in a sort of mistranslation of a word that means that they're very special and they're very pure. They are not literally white. They are pink. (laughs) Uh, If you look online, you will find a picture or two of an actual white elephant. And what it is is an elephant who rolled in white clay. Okay. Because they do that just like in North Carolina. They're red elephants because they roll in that red clay dust. Remember that? No, there aren't elephants. Oh, at the zoo. Oh, at the, at the zoo. zoo. Yeah. You made me so upset. <laughs> I was like, I have eaten a lot of chocolate tonight. Are you fucking with me? Oh, my God. Okay. No, no. Not not like, that's how I felt when I found out um, that Venus flytraps lived in North Carolina. I'm like, no, uh. that belongs in the rainforest jungle where jaguars live. Or what do you, what yes. do you mean that, that's the same place? Is me. No, that's fake. But I saw them growing. It's totally fake. Okay, well, good for them. So, okay, there are a couple different explanations for how this term got into the usage that we use it for. So, to contextualize it a little bit more about Southeast Asia, so specifically we're talking Burma, Thailand, Laos, and Cambodia. Mm -hmm. So, we're talking Asian elephants. Mm -hmm. If you have these elephants, they are sacred. If they are sacred, that means they can't do elephant jobs, which I know is a weird concept for us. But elephants are, when domesticated, work animals, right? Like, they lift stuff, and they carry stuff, and they go from place to place, and you ride them. Now, a white elephant, you can't do that with, because it's sacred. So basically... If you are given a white elephant, which is something that some of these monarchs and leaders would do, you now have a whole ass elephant that you can't use to do work. (laughs) Yeah, it's costing you more money than you can bring in with it. 
Gotcha. Exactly. It is a complete lemon of a creature. Yes. It, it became common usage in the middle of the 19th century. White elephants go much further back than that, obviously in Southeast Asia, but even in Western culture, famously Charlemagne actually had a white elephant that oh he my gosh. with for a while. So like, oh that, my gosh. that goes back. But you know, they're, they're assets, they're luxury items. Yeah. Even to this day, yeah, there are uh, rulers in Southeast Asia who keep them, but you know, they keep them in the sense of they're in a preserve like any elephant would sure. be at this point. But you sure. know, it's like how the queen owns all the swans, I guess. <laughs> so that usage has translated, like you said, to white elephant gift exchanges, where it's not supposed to be something incredibly useful. They're mm-hmm. obviously, in most cases, not really white elephants in that traditional sense. And really, neither is the stuff that John usually sold, traditionally what we would call a white elephant. I would think of right. a white elephant, kind of like we talked about Hatley Castle last episode, right? Where the kids ended yeah. up selling it for... $75,000. Sorry, my last episode, not yours. They ended up selling it because it just cost that much to maintain. Sure, yeah. And so this is not really... I think they were white elephants. I, I think, like, the woodies and the helmets and the blankets and stuff were probably white elephants to the army at that point because they didn't have anywhere to store them. Yeah. And they were just gonna start to fall apart and get ruined. Yeah. But once he's got them, they're kind of not. But it's still a really cute concept. I yeah. just I think it's nice. And it gets applied, the term gets applied to lots of stuff. So yeah. sometimes when you like go all out for hosting the Olympics, you'll end up with this giant stadium that costs a tremendous amount of money to maintain and you don't have anybody that can actually draw a crowd that will mm-hmm. make it worth maintaining. Mm-hmm. Or military projects sometimes become white elephants because they get so bogged down in development. I'm sure there's video games that do that. They leaned into the theme. That worked well because it was very cute. I think if White Elephant, with how it looked on the outside, which of course it was painted white and had sort of primary colors and elephants mm-hmm. and circus themes, mm-hmm. if you'd gone in and it was only camping supplies, it would be jarring. But yeah. they added the toy section. And the reason <laughs> they did that is John R. Conley had 11 children. Oh my. Yep. And around about the fifth kid, he went, we go through a lot of toys. <laughs> We should start selling toys. Dang, we started John. seeing that, that toys were a good product line for what he was trying to do. And I think that's incredibly sweet as well. Most of this is based on two nostalgia articles. One is from 2004, okay. just sort of about the place itself. And one is from the most recent issue where we did our love, flame, and madness at the Corbin Mansion. Yes. Which they did some really sweet graphic design for. I liked quite a bit. I haven't seen your graphic design. Dear God, is it so good? (laughs) No, I really like it. It kind of put like sort of ghost flames around it. And, you know, I'm a sucker for that. So with the White Elephant stores, fortunately on their website, they reprinted one from Nostalgia in 2004. So we have the 2004 one and we have the one that just came out in the most recent issue. Oh, I should also mention when John opened this thing, he was 19. Oh, what a baby! And he'd done he'd done two years in the navy for my goodness. Hmm, I'm not sure that math works out. Oh my goodness, John! You lied John. to someone to get in. You baby, you baby! You, baby. you take your three hundred dollars and buy some woodies and stuff. Some woodies? Um, oh my! So See, it, 
he famously liked to say that he only had seven years of education, right? So he okay. did not go to school very long. He jumped right into this business and he basically just kind of followed what his instincts told him to do. So he started including some hardware stuff, not a ton, no. and the sporting goods. As in the late 1950s, they added the toy section. Okay. Now, according to the family, this did not mean that Christmas was a deluge of toys. According to one of the brothers, they only got one toy each. But huh. he'd be up all night putting stuff together, and there was always a big display around the Christmas tree. I don't. They don't seem to have any hard feelings about it. I'm like, okay, yeah. it was the 50s. You had 11 kids. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I want 11 of anything in my house. No. So, like, once you got 11 kids, you're like, oh, 11 kazoos? I'll pass. No, thank um, you. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank God. I think people had bigger broods, like more kids, before the age of battery-operated toys. <laughs> and birth control, yeah. No, it's battery-operated toys, because can you imagine 11 kids all having a toy that beeps or flashes? Yeah. Nope. No. With 11 kids, it's very, like, it's a very 19th century approach, right? Of course they all worked in the family business. Of course. He'd give them, like, toy tasks, right? Where it's like, okay, organize all the Matchbox cars, and, you know, you're three yes. years old, you can hang up all the Barbie clothes. Yes. <laughs> Sounds really fun. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it wasn't always really fun, but, you know, mm-hmm. they'd work in cleaning the place after it closed. They would work at the cash register, even mm-hmm. by 2004, about a quarter of the people who worked there were Conley family. Oh, so fun. One way or another. Yeah. Which I think is very, very sweet. Yeah. White Elephant, and it was not the last business in Spokane, not the last iconic business in Spokane to do this, didn't accept credit cards until 1995. White Elephant was not into it because John didn't want to deal with it. So they did it in 1995, right? And so he started this business in 1946. Yeah. And one of the things that they ganged up on their dad about was the credit card thing. (laughs) So he loved to travel. And I want to give him credit for this. This is a very intriguing thing in the older nostalgia article, where he didn't like to go any place he'd been before, unless he took somebody who hadn't gone before. That's cool. Isn't that a cute concept? I like that a lot. Oh, yeah. I never visit the same place twice unless I can bring someone new with me. So he liked to show folks around. He just liked to do that. So in December of 1975, for instance, he took his employees, his employees' kids, a dying man, a policeman, his banker, and a nurse on a vacation to Hawaii. This is exactly (laughs) what nostalgia tells me. And I'm like, I have many questions. Many questions. <laughs> my love of Barbie clothes and my parents' generosity in buying them funded about <laughs> two dozen Hawaii trips is what I just yep. heard. Yep. Apparently, this was what he loved to do is he liked to hang out with people and he loved the outdoors and he loved travel. So he'd just be like, let's go. Like, I've been to Hawaii before. You haven't. Let's let's roll. And I'm like, that's awesome. Marvelous. I kind of I love that. So in 1995, the kids have had the deal lined up to start accepting credit cards for three fucking years. I've been pretty well with not swearing in this one because there's just nothing that requires it. But three years they've been ready to pull the trigger on this. And they have to wait until John Sr. goes on a 12-week European vacation (laughs) so that they can swap the stores over to accept credit cards while he can't see it. Yes. And apparently he got back and just groaned until he saw the first sales totals. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. John himself passed away in 2017, which is a hell of a run. Yeah, it is. I think. The ownership of the company went to his sons, Rich and Pat, and his wife, Mary. So White Elephant kind of shifted a little bit at that point, because Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine what it is like to have a business like that for 72 years 71 years, 70 plus years anyway, yeah. being run by the same person yeah. from its start as basically selling army surplus all the way to what it was in 2017 of all times. So that's just really wild to think about. Yeah. yeah. You think of the institutional knowledge that went with mm-hmm. him. I mean, he knew everything. He absolutely knew everything yeah, about his seriously. stores. Oh, and man. And he loved to still come in, even into his 80s. You know, he'd come in and shake people's hands mm-hmm. and chat with them. Mm-hmm. Because that was just also, I, I feel like I've never been in there without just some random dude standing around talking about oh. fishing or whatever. Like, that's what you do. That's Absolutely. where we got Lydia's first fishing license. Yeah. That's where we yeah. got her first fishing pole. Like, yeah. it, it was yeah. just there. It was basically like he made the store that had the stuff he wanted to buy. I think that's and, that's what I figured out with my art, is if no one's going to buy it, I'm stuck with it. So I should make stuff that I like. Mm-hmm. Let me talk to you about... The end of the white elephant. So, of course, COVID has changed life for a lot of businesses. But white elephant has never been a business that changed a lot with the times, Mm -hmm. right? It took a long time to get to credit cards. It took a long time to even have a website. It certainly never sold anything online. Like It was never going to try to get into that Amazon space. It was basically just like... It's sort of a benign fuck around and find out business model. Like, what kind of fishing poles do we have? Show up. Exactly. Yeah. That's how you find out that information. Yeah. So they did a temporary closure, of course, due to the pandemic, which for people who are not in Washington or maybe not even in the U.S., this is where we basically kicked it off in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So we've tried to mostly keep it off the show, but we shut down sooner and went harder than I think a lot of states did. For sure. Really, we've been feeling the hurt. For sure. And like many businesses, they closed. And I think that gave the family some space to decide what they wanted to do. Yeah. And what they decided they wanted to do was close. Yeah. And so they put up a sign that made me so happy. They bought the billboard that was above White Elephant, and they put up a sign with one of their signature White Elephants, and on the butt, of course, it says, The End. Mm -hmm. It's got a little baby elephant, and then they hang up a sign that says, Gone Fishing. Yeah, And I'm like, that brings so much joy to me. They had a huge sale. Matt went. He said they were doing fantastic on, like, social distancing and masking and everything for the closeout, which I thought would be a free-for-all. I did, too. I thought they'd be like, fuck it. We're done. Like, what are you going to do to us? Yeah. It was very organized, and he had all kinds of good stuff for Lid's birthday. It was very Ooh, cool and marvelous. nice to have a couple last things from them. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of sorry I didn't go one last time to I just am kind too. of know that it was the last time. But it yeah. officially closed July 26, 2020. So they still, through a couple days ago, were closing out, like, fixtures and stuff like that. Yeah. I have no idea what's going to come next for that space. It's not a great time to be opening businesses, right. but 
And it's a very weird space. Like, it's a very it's weird space. It was because it was just a, a rabbit's warren of different shops put together. Truly, yeah. Finding the bathroom felt like you were going on a quest. Did you ever find the bathroom in that was place? Was there a bathroom? I yeah. don't know. Well, I, you probably didn't answer the riddles three. I you, must I not have. Shoot. Yeah. Were you pure of heart? <laughs> That's <the> <laughs> no. <secret>. Uh, <laughs> no. No, it was sort of like in the middle of yeah. the sporting and camping good stuff. You know how there was kind of the upper level where they had like all the tents and the cast iron and then you would walk down a little bit. I it was remember just the cast the right. iron. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! What you're? T- I'm pretty sure it was the room of requirement. Like you said, you had to be pure of heart, it's and you needed to be the in room need. Of requirement. Yeah, I don't recall it. No, I I really really wish I had bought one of those cast iron pans where you bake the cornbread and it's in the yes. shape of little corn oh, cobs. Little corns. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, my mom had one of those when I was growing mm-hmm. up. I thought it was the coolest thing that ever mm-hmm. happened. I don't yes. know why you didn't get one. I Ugh. wish that they had made those the end that image as a t-shirt. They, I mean, they used yeah. to have white elephant t-shirts that were the ringer style. They were that was mm-hmm. what the staff. Oh wore. my gosh, I remember those. Remember those? Yeah. If they had made a the end elephant shirt, I would mm-hmm. bought twelve. I don't know what I would have done with them, but I needed them. That was very cute, and I think it had a very distinct aesthetic, and I appreciate yeah. that. It was. In some ways, so retro, it became timeless. Absolutely. And I don't know, I couldn't really speak to, you know, yeah. how it looked in one year versus another. But for my money, it always looked the same. It did. And when I look at these pictures and nostalgia, yeah, it always looks the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah. they just painted more elephants. I'm looking at a picture from 1951. Same billboard is there. Huh. Same shape. It's white. Then they just added more elephants. I think that's basically all that they did. I seem to recall they didn't used to have elephants on the north side of the building, if I've got my Spokane directions right, the north side of the building. They didn't always have elephants there, and then they painted them, or they painted something there. And I remember as a kid being like, this is different. What the heck? <laughs> How? They've changed things. Yeah, that that's a thing. It's not in this 1951 picture, but I <laughs> have a very vivid memory of walking up to do it because I don't remember what the hell happened. I just remember some day. Oh, I, I think it's because Lid just gets way overstimulated by the concept of birthday parties. Yeah. So it was one of the several times before we figured out how to manage that situation when we would go to White Elephant, pick out a present. First of all, I have to deal with the whole, what do you mean we're not here to get something for me uh-huh. thing because no matter how many times you review it you know you get yeah. into the toy store and you're like which one is mine yeah and then yeah we would have a meltdown so i have some pictures of her on a mechanical elephant about to melt down and yes. i watched then kind of like those pictures of people you know in front of mount st helens right before a blue <laughs> i'm like oh you don't know how bad your day is about to go <laughs> well, so didn't they, you, you, oh man, you should have been known to the cashiers the way my father was known to the cashiers, because if my brother and I didn't get a toy, what we got was a salamander fishing lure. <gasps> they gave Whoa. us those, those gummy, translucent, salamander-shaped fishing lures for free. My brother and I were kind of oh, like, yeah. treated like, you know. VIPs there. And I got in trouble once because I left one on my dad's dashboard and in the sun it it the oil from the salamander baked itself into his dashboard vinyl. So that truck always had like the little (laughs) imprint blast of a salamander. Remember that truck. Do you remember that truck? I mean we would have had it still in high school. I remember seeing Mm -hmm. this. Mm Mm-hmm. 
It's a white elephant salamander, dude. Whoa, a white <laughs> elephant salamander. No, although I will say, there was one time when they saw Lydia with me, and they were just like, does she want to ride the elephant? And I'm like, <laughs> I guess, and they just gave me a dime. Oh, that's so because, sweet. Because, I mean, of course, you oh. know, they get the dime back, but, they you get know, it back. they could have made me use my dime. They could have. So That elephant couple- is very special, though. It is very special. Are you, were, was that the voice of you about to tell me why it's special? Or are you, you just cherishing it? Oh, no, I'm. that was the voice of me knowing where it came from and to whence it is going. But also, Ooh. like, I have so many good memories of that elephant. Yeah. I'm also really intrigued by the fact that you talk about elephants from Asia being the white elephants, but the mm-hmm. elephant... The, the white elephant ride is an African elephant, so yep. there's a little bit of cost, cross-culturalism here, folks. Look at that. Yeah, wow, they really didn't do their research before they, setting up this not even a little bit. slightly janky <laughs> toy. <laughs> so, okay, there are several elephant statues or models associated with white elephant, and of course, the Conleys at home have so much white elephant shit. I'm right? sure. Naturally, white elephant carpets and mugs and everything. Oh, yeah. But it was their motif. They carried it through. So, like, the aisle signs would have elephants. And, so you know, cute. This way to the exit would be an, a little cute little elephant. Yes. They had one that was on the roof. Uh-huh. Yep. I love uh, him. He's he's the one that's like standing, he's rearing back, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh they had one that was ten feet tall. Oh. The White Elephant Company acquired this ten foot tall elephant that had a basket on the top for kids to sit in. Oh my gosh. Now for for magic reasons I can't explain, it was owned by the armor meatpacking plant on Trent. <laughs> and it would go around to grocery stores when it was gray. It would go around to grocery stores for safari days. I don't really know how they linked this to meat, to meat yeah. packing. I don't know if the implication was like, you're a hunter and you hunted this cow or you're eating the elephant. None of the interpretations make particular logical sense to me. But of course, when it was available, John bought it and painted it white. Sure. As one does. Uh, she came to be called Ellie the Elephant, naturally. Of course. And given the technology of the era, she's pretty cool. So she had gears, she had a motor, her head and her trunk moved. Wow. Her ears flapped and her eyelids blinked. <laughs> no. That's, that's pretty good elephant robot, <laughs> 10 feet tall. <laughs> I don't like the eyelids part, but everything else I like. Oh, see, I think elephants have those long eyelashes. I think it could be really cute. No. This was so far back that... They already were tired of lugging Ellie around by the time the East Bragg <laughs> store opened in 1976. Okay. So they covered her in fiberglass and put her on top of the roof. She's got to have a roof elephant, naturally. Oh, of course you do. Yeah. And they somehow, so she broke off in a windstorm. And then they somehow oh. brought her back in February 2020 and was driven around Spokane as a promotional piece. And again, I'm like, I don't remember shit about this. No. I don't remember a 10-foot-tall elephant driving around town, but in fairness, I was a little busy in February. I think we all were. I'm not sure what was going on. So the elephant that I think most of us who grew up around White Elephant associate with the store is Isidore. Yes. Isidore is the little buddy. He's small. Yes. He is not elephant size, but he is a ride, and he costs a dime. 
Yes. You can write Isidore for a dime. And he originally was a part of the Natatorium Park. Yes. And John Conley purchased the elephant rides from Natatorium Park, which we've referenced before. We thought that was perhaps where the human ostrich performed. Uh-huh. That's where the Luth Carousel originally was. Mm-hmm. A sort of a famous part of Spokane history that got broken up and sent into a lot of different places. And one of the places that it got sent was White Elephant. So Isidore... I'm pretty sure I wrote it as a kid. Lynn oh, wrote it. I absolutely wrote it as a teenager. Yeah. You know, yeah. like oh, kid yeah. through, shoot, I still would have written it, you know, had I gone mm-hmm. as an adult. Yeah. And it's not like it was the most thrilling ride or whatever, but you're like, I'm here. This is fun. This is mm-hmm. a thing to do. It's cute. Mm-hmm. It was cute that it only costs a dime. What costs a dime at this point? Well, it only costs a dime. And what they had it, it faced division, which, if you're not from Spokane, is a very busy, multiple-lane, mm-hmm. one-way street. And then White yeah. Elephant hung a bunch of different fabric flags from yeah. the outside awning that, that came over the elephant. So as you wrote it, you had these gaily colored banners flapping around you, and you had the traffic whizzing past. <laughs> and it was right by the entrance, so there were people coming in. You felt mm-hmm. kind of cool because they all kind of had to look at you because you were riding the elephant. <laughs> it, you know, it wasn't just like the 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 pony outside of the five and dime, you know, yeah. in the 1950s. Like it really it it felt special. It it felt it felt like an an experience that was very specific to that time and place, but also yeah. just so magical. 100% concur. It was much like the Louvre Carousel, a thing where you're like, I can't believe you're letting me ride this. Uh-huh. This, this is a historic piece. I can't believe uh-huh. you're letting me do this. Uh-huh. It's pure so, joy. And this is an antique yeah. that's worth actually this a is, lot of money. Yeah, this is an antique. And also, I'm just at this weird sporting goods store. And now right. I'm riding a little elephant. Why not? Right. But, you know, it makes sense because they have toys there, too, and kids and all this good stuff. So... Isidore, fortunately, has been donated to Riverfront Park by the Conley Mm -hmm. family. Isidore is now on wheels and is going to be either indoors near the carousel or outside, depending on the weather, will still cost 10 cents a thrill, as they put it in this article, (laughs) and is now... All these years later, back together with her animal friends from the Louvre Carousel that was at the same park way, way, way back in the 40s and 30s. And I think that's so cool. Yeah. That's so neat. One other iconic Spokane park moment that I strongly associate with White Elephant, and I feel like you know what I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) say. Do you tell? Expo 74. <laughs> Have we talked about Expo 74 before? Gosh, We've never that's... really done an Expo 74 <laughs> yeah. episode. And that's we could true. at some point. I do get the vibe from Spokane history people that they're a little sick of it. Oh, point. so, but so sh- it feels like low-hanging fruit. And also, it's the 70s. It's not that old, you guys. It's not that historic. <laughs> <laughs> Call me when you have something from the 20s, okay? <laughs> wow. Some spirit took a hold of Devon just then. <laughs> okay, so the context of Expo 74 is that it was sort of a World's Fair thing, just like Seattle had in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And it was hosted in Spokane, and it was a big turning point for Spokane in terms of its perception of itself as a city, yeah. in terms of its awareness of itself as a player on the national stage. Yeah. 
my sister once got me a ring that had the skyline of Spokane, and it included the clock tower, which was a part of the old Great Northern Railway Station, if I recall correctly. Mm -hmm. And it had the pavilion, which I think we've talked about before, which is basically a big, it's hard to describe. It's like a tent. It's like an awning. It's it's a tent. It's a tent made out of spider webs. Yes, and it's off-center, and now it's, yeah. they've done a really beautiful thing with it where it has these panels that light up. Mm-hmm. But those two things basically make up the iconic skyline of Spokane. Yeah. The pavilion is a part of Expo 74, and if you are in Riverfront Park, Expo 74 is everywhere. Because basically yeah. that is when they made that chunk of downtown, that hundred acres of downtown, into a beautiful, coherent, usable space with yeah. walking trails and all this other stuff. So, like... Canada Island yeah. and all, all these different pieces are marked and influenced by the expo. Mm-hmm. It was a big fair, big lineup. The gondolas were from that as well, right? Right. A big influence on the city, but of course, like all good things comes to an end. And like all all fairs of its kind had a lot of merch, which they did not call merch at the time. <laughs> they had <laughs> In the fall of 1974, after the fair closed, 280,000 Expo 74 souvenirs left over. Oh! There weren't that many people in Spokane, friends! I know! know. But John said, I'll take them. (laughs) He did! He did go lower! 280,000. Yes, he did! Which is why I have probably five or six of them in my Uh house right now, including the souvenir I'm holding, because... Uh There was nothing, like, realizing as, like, a 20-something. There was a small, but not that small, like, an end cap of Expo 74 merch. And there's nothing like being in the 90s and going, why is there Expo 74 merchandise here? Yeah. I'm looking at them. So I've got a souvenir plate. I actually didn't get a white elephant that's from the World's Fair. But another one I definitely did that's got more of a China blue pattern. I got my souvenir pamphlet there. You got your hot dog plate. My hamburger plate. I love your hamburger plate. That thing is so weird. I love it. It's shaped like a cow. It's so dumb. It's shaped like a cow. And I'm I'm looking at it right now if my audio is getting there. It says Expo 74 World's Fair hamburger plate. And the head is kind of like a divot. So there's a center part about the size of an ashtray, which there were hella Expo 74 ashtrays. Yes. Because at a certain point, those just didn't move that fast anymore. Yes. As they did in the 70s. The head of the cow is also a divot, and it says ketchup. And hang on, I gotta grab it. Yeah. It's so funny. I've definitely broken it and had to glue it back together because it fell off the wall at one point, but it's Worth still my it. very, very precious object. So yeah, ketchup, one of the, the cow's front feet are hollowed out to be for mustard, and then the back feet are hollowed out, I guess, for just whatever the spirit moves you to put in there. It's so stupid. Uh, player's choice. <laughs> yeah. I also, I feel like I had, but now I don't know that if I actually had it or I had it and gave it to somebody, one of the ashtrays that was like the same kind of weird brownish yellow ceramic, but it was a foot. And it said, I left my mark at Expo 74. Why did you? it was your footprint. How dare you have not given that to me if you gave it to anyone. Oh, my goodness. Now I'm like, oh, my goodness. Go, I need it. Well, certainly I know in my like stamps and matchbooks and stuff, I've got a lot of different like souvenir coins from the Japanese pavilion and the Korean pavilion and this, that and the other. So at any rate, this is not a 
hear about the things I own. No, we're going to hear about things you own because guess what? For $17 (laughs) on eBay right now, I can buy a four-piece lot. It has a brown ashtray that I don't give a shit about. It has a white (laughs) skillet that I don't give a shit about. But what it has is one of those I left my my mark mm-hmm. footprint things and it has a hot dog plate. It, Hell yeah. Liz, it's a dachshund and his ears are where the condiments go. Get it. Get it his now. Bid on it now. The show is paused. Buy it now. Find I'm, the button. Okay, buy now. It's 823 Cheap for shipping. At twice Do the I price. care? No, I'll send you patron money. You need the hot dog plate. Because the fact that they decided the hamburger plate should be a cow, but the hot dog plate should not be a pig. No. It should not also be a cow in case it was an all-beef kosher hot dog. It should definitely be a dachshund. It is. Okay. Well, that I'm, was quite the choice. I'm doing it. You're going to hear me typing because I got to enter my password to eBay to buy this. Jason's going to get the package and not know what to do with me. <laughs> now I'm just like craving more merch. I don't know why I care. I don't know why I care. I don't know why you care at all, but confirm and pay. It's that was exciting. a $27.88 impulse purchase. <laughs> Wow! Ashtray, postcard, fair coin medal, bronze token souvenir. Ooh, wow. Memorabilia lot. That is elaborate. I have most of that crap. That's uh, nothing. Uh, Rare stamps. Ooh, a jug. A plate and jug. A jug? Hey, I like this kind of fo- uh, flow blue style. They've got a pavilion saucer, and it's got the, you know, it's white with the blue floral on it. That's oh, kind of cool. A- it's quite pretty. It's like the thing I have. Liz, I, I'm sending you a decanter, and you tell me what this shape is. You tell, it involves, oh my goodness. I'm going to buy you this decanter. I just sent you a decanter that looks like a cock and balls. Oh, outstanding. Oh, yeah, sure does. Yep. You're welcome. Sure does. I mean, I get it. You remember the time I tried to make a gingerbread house version? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was a sentence I wasn't going to get through without both of us losing it. I tried to make a gingerbread house version of Spokane's iconic clock tower, and it just looked like a dick. Not a well dick, either. it was such a penis. Yep. I mean, you get sort of your blonde brick, and then you have a red roof. Just kind of got away from me there. But this one, they've taken the clock tower and enhanced it by putting some big hexagons at the bottom. It's even got some grass, I assume, that looks like a ball fro if I ever saw one. Although props Mm -hmm. to the person who's selling an ashtray as a dish. They're not going to buy it if I say it's an ashtray. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, marvelous. What the hell was I talking about? Oh, so John bought 280,000 pieces (laughs) of this. He (laughs) did. He made his money back in three months. So by the time New Year's 1975 rolled around, John was in the black on his Expo 74 merch. So all the shit we bought from that point forward was money in the bank. Oh, wow. Good job. (laughs) Good job for you. That's outstanding can't believe it i assumed all the stuff that we saw was still in the red yeah i was like oh no he must have made a terrible business mistake mm-hmm. it's like no no he actually made a great business decision and then we kept buying extra 
for the week. Yeah. Yeah. For so long. It's like when you had me buy what, like a hundred of the maps I made. I only had to sell ten to make my investment back. Everything else is just cake. Mm Mm-hmm. You hit that crossover point. It's good to Uh have. I have one other white elephant to tell you about. So I've told you about the origin of the concept and the real ones. We've told you about the store. Yes. We've told you about the actual mechanical elephants that were associated, Mm -hmm. who, of course, were all painted white. Now I will tell you about another Western connection, another weird Northwestern thing of a character who I've covered before, but not on this show, actually on Historical Hotties, where way, way back in the day, there was a man named Wyatt Earp. Yeah. And I've been thinking about Wyatt Earp a lot because I think a lot about what a great movie Tombstone is. Oh. <laughs> Every day oh. I wake up and I thank God I'm alive and I think about what a great movie Tombstone is. Yeah. <laughs> Just how good yeah. Val Kilmer was in it. So and good. What an iconic, iconic, interesting, sweaty, brightly lit film that uh-huh. thing was. Very enjoyable. So good. So you know Wyatt Earp from his adventures in Dodge City and Tombstone, mm-hmm. Arizona. Mm-hmm. But Wyatt actually lived in northern Idaho for a time. Mm-hmm. In 1884, Wyatt Earp arrived in northern Idaho with... I like how it's just like Sadie. I'm like, uh, could you back up and tell me who Sadie is? Uh, oh, that's his second wife, ain't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He arrived in northern Idaho with his wife and one of his brothers for the short-lived Coeur d'Alene Gold Rush. Now, Coeur d'Alene and northern Idaho is now much more known as, you know, the Silver Valley and yeah. Silver, but there was a gold rush around Eagle City where a little creek ran into Eagle Gulch. And this was a full-on boom town. This was tents and log cabins People coming in almost daily. And the Earp's specialty, as you will recall, also from Tombstone, was not being sheriffs. (sighs) They wanted to be in the entertainment and hospitality industry. Mm -hmm. So what Jim and Wyatt did is they bought a round circus tent, 45 feet high, 50 feet in diameter. They spent $2,250 on it. And they opened a dance hall. For all the people who were coming in <laughs> to get rich in Coeur d'Alene. Excuse? How did the sheriffs have that much money? They weren't My- sheriffs. They were businessmen. Uh, they were at this point. <laughs> You're right. Yep. Yep. I guess that's, uh, I'm like, that's a lot of money for a tent, it feels like, but I guess I don't know. So they started that, and then later... They basically did a one step up, you know, like if you're playing a video game, this would be like the first upgrade you can do to your big canvas tent (laughs) is like a thing that's wood, mostly canvas, but also there's technically some wood. And they named it the White Elephant Saloon. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yep. It was advertised as the largest and finest saloon in the Coeur d'Alene's. So there's really nothing as far as I gathered from this article of that area left, right? This was not a permanent settlement that kicked around. You can't go stand on the spot where the White Elephant Saloon was. Nobody knows. Okay. Uh, Wyatt Earp didn't really hang out that much longer there. He kind of did his his cycle that he did. Or he became deputy sheriff of Kootenai County. And because it's a very, very new place... Mm-hmm. There is tension about where various mining claims are. Mm-hmm. For instance, if you have a mining claim that's on land that both Shoshone and Kootenai claim, yeah. 
who figures that out? Does the legislature or do you just kind of shoot it out? So uh, guess what they went with? I know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Almost 50 shots were fired in rapid succession. So there was Good another Lord. shootout, which is wild to me that I'm like, this is every bit as wild as a shootout at the OK Corral. Now, what the report says is that Wyatt and Jim stepped into the middle of the fray, and with characteristic coolness, they stood where bullets from both parties flew about them, joked with the participants upon their poor marksmanship, and, although they pronounced the affair a fine picture, used their best endeavors to stop the shooting. And I'm like, look, I've, I've never been in that exact situation, but I don't really have any evidence to think that Wyatt Earp didn't fear death. Like, Davy Jones would just, like, shove his tentacle uh-huh. face, do you fit or death? And Wyatt would be like, no. I'm just no. going to stand in the middle of a shootout and talk shit with my brother. I don't know that that corresponds with the man that we've met through legend or reality. Right. Now, I will say... This does seem to have been a bit of a kerfuffle as shootouts go, specifically the the opposing partners uh, after they got disarmed by the Shoshone County deputy sheriff and by the Earps. They met up and just like had a smoke and talked to each other about what was going on. And the only casualty in the whole thing was one guy who got shot through his leg, like not even the bone, just like the fleshy part, which for that much chaos is pretty good. He's fine. It really is only a flesh wound. You're fine. Now you know your man got shot through the leg in North Idaho. Uh-huh. That white elephant, of course, did not last very long. Because nothing lasts very long in a boom town like that. And when yes. the rush was over, the town was over, Wyatt Earp moved on to different and greater fame. There was no influence ever mentioned in anything I read of that white elephant on this white elephant. But I just think it's a nice little tie-in to say just over the border, there was actually another legend of the West that used exactly the same term. I don't know why they used it, because I don't feel like it really associates with the saloon and dance hall girls and stuff, you know? Yeah, I was going to ask. Maybe it sort of meant luxury, because it also can mean that. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, you, you have a white elephant if you have a lot of money. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I'll get to heaven, I'll ask him. Well, let me know what happens, because I don't think I get to go to heaven. Well, I'll go to heaven, or it's okay. Oh, um, I was just, I was ready to be reincarnated, but that's fine. I oh, mean, I'll okay. go to heaven. Well, if you I can, can stop in real quick. There's like a, a waiting yeah. room. Yeah. Well, I was going to come hang out and see you. That's cool. Yeah. I just want to like, it's like an airport. Like I want to get like a $20 salad and just like vibe for a little bit. No for judgment. sure. Wyatt Earp had his white elephant, and then Spokane had its white elephant, and I am gonna strive to be happy that it happened instead of being sad that it's over. And I don't normally have a lot of affection for businesses like that, especially ones where you don't really like hang out with people like a bar or something. Right. But I do have a lot of affection for white elephant. Right. And when the time comes when something else takes over that very strange building and paints it over and makes it look different, I'm going to be sad. But I really mm-hmm. am happy for the Conley family that they wrapped things up the way that they wanted to wrap them up and that they get to for go sure. fishing. They do get, yeah. Yeah. It's a source of so many cool memories for me. Like, so many good memories with my dad that I am really sad to see that place go. But whatever. Like, I've still got the memories. That's fine. I I had always kind of imagined, like, taking my kids there, you know, with my dad. 
And that's a bummer to not have that happen. But shit, dude, it had a good run and they went out on their own terms. Yeah, we we can't ask for a lot more than that in life. It's really right. cool. Right. Well, I had a really good time telling you about that. And I hope people found it interesting, even if it's not a store that they ever got to visit in person. As always, we hope that you come join us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to catch up on our social media activities. Ouijabroads.com has your central hub for information about the show and about us and about episodes, including episode notes, which I need to update again, but we did get caught up on at one point, so at least it's not as bad as it was. <laughs> uh, if you want to, you can come to Patreon.com slash to get stuff like outtakes, the unedited versions of these episodes, and the warm-ups that we do to get ourselves into the correct spooky energy to mm -hmm. record this show. Mm -hmm. Did you have anything else you wanted to tell them before I take us all the way out? We finally do have pins available for sale, and <gasps> these are beautiful. I'm sending you a whole big old fatty bunch of them, my friend. Ooh. Oh, and at the request of a uh, friend of ours and, you know, supporter as well, but at, the, at their request, I restocked Etsy with the Sasquatch stickers. So if Excellent. you've been the tree ones, yeah, tree ones, yeah, ones. Oh, very cool. Yeah, love I didn't, that. I didn't think people cared one way or the other about them, but then she said, "No, you must." Oh, and well. I'm very pliable, biddable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's an accommodating gal. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I like that. Okay, this is all very cool. I'm going to let people check it out for themselves. Etsy.com/shop/hellomostghost. You like how I pitched that? That was very professional. Was well done, my friend. Oh, well, here's another thing that I think that we will all excel at at various times is mm -hmm. living weird. Hopefully dying weird. And staying weird. Thank you for joining us and listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.